0: I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. And as it is a lengthy story, please, if you need to take a seat during it, please feel free to do so. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the disciples, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you have handed over to me Five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward and said something similarly. Master, you handed over to me Two talents. See, I have made you two more talents. His master replied, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, "'I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow "'and gathering where you did not scatter seed. "'So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. "'Here, you have what is yours.' "'But his master replied, "'You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, "'that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter?' Throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Please be seated. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for grace to hear your voice in our lives. May our obedience in listening and living bring glory to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I come from at least two generations of people who hid money. My grandmother was born in 1896. She lived through the depression. She raised her youngest three children alone due to the early demise of my grandfather. And she lived as a widow longer than she was single or married. My grandmother survived on prudence. My mother also hid money. Before she died, some of her final instructions to me was that I was to go through her things very carefully that one directive was given with direct eye contact and head nodding, and there would be no further conversation about it. After she died, as my brothers and I went through her things, yes, we did indeed find money. Tucked away in drawers, in cookbooks, oh, my mother loved cookbooks, church cookbooks for real, and we found money in her coat pockets. And you know what, I believe that if she had worn jeans, we would have found money in her jeans pockets too. True to my mom's nature, she gave us moments of laughter in the midst of our grief. And I'm gonna leave it up to you and your imagination as to whether I am carrying on that family tradition. Just saying. Our lessons today are challenging texts. The Old Testament and New Testament readings speak of judgment. In our first lesson, the prophet Zephaniah described what the day of the Lord would look like And the prophet's description, as you heard, isn't pretty. Prophetic language is often foreign to our ears, but the sharp, harsh tone was used to help people take the warning seriously. The New Testament lesson we know as the parable of the talents and used as a literary device, parables are often read through an allegorical lens, which means that every event or person corresponds to another event or person. Characters can represent God or humanity. Parables may also have multiple meanings yet their purpose is always the same, and that is to teach us how to live wisely. In the parable today, the traditional approach for interpreting Jesus' intention is to assign God or Jesus to the role of the master and humanity to the role of the slaves. God gave people talents with the expectation that the talents would be invested for the benefit of others. In the first century, a talent was represented by a large amount of money. In fact, one talent was approximately 20 years' wages for a day laborer. Based on the economic value and what we heard in the story, the master was wealthy. A quick math calculation tells us that five talents would be received would be worth 100 years wages, two talents 40 years. The first two slaves risk these enormous sums of money by investing it the return on investment was doubled, which pleased the master. Now this sounds all well and good, particularly to our 21st century ears, until we take into consideration the political economic climate of the Roman Empire, which sheds light on the master's response to the third slave, who did not invest his talent and consequently received horrible punishment. The Roman imperial political economic system was designed and it exploited and impoverished many people. Roman rulers disguised their greed through laws, through the employment of Jewish aristocrats and endless taxation to everyone else. Laborers were peasants, artisans, and slaves who were the producers for the empire. The Roman military was used to enforce and maintain control of this system, which ultimately increased the transfer of wealth from the peasants to the elite. Within this historical context of socioeconomic oppression, the lens through which this parable is seen can now take on a different perspective for us. The master in the parable was not a positive figure. His wealth was gained through the work of the slaves. Slave owners had this sense of entitlement of what their slaves produced. The slave owners knew that the Roman system would protect them from any ramifications of exploitative behavior. No wonder the master was thrilled with the return on investment the first and second slaves gained for him. They had figured out how to please their harsh master within this corrupt system. It is easy to follow the path of their master in an environment that experienced corruption and expected exploitation. But what about that third slave? He was labeled as wicked and lazy as he had risked nothing for his master, not even taking the easy way out by investing in the local bank. Yet it is important for us to know that hiding money in the ground was considered a common safety practice in the first century Hiding money was not against the law. In her Bible study, listening to the third slave, deacon Inez Torres Davis reminds us that it is impossible for a slave to be lazy. Slaves must perform according to their master's standard and they are punished if they do not meet the those standards. Even though the master was gone for a long time, there was still work to be done and there were overseers whose task was to make sure that that happened. I'm gonna invite you to listen again this time with new ears to the third slave's response as he came before the master. I knew you were a harsh man, reaping what you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. The master did not dispute these accusations. Listen to the master's response. He said, you knew, did you? that I reap where I did not sow and I gather where I did not scatter. The third slave was afraid, but the language he used was well thought out. The third slave was speaking truth to power. Could that be what contributed to his fear? Possibly. But it didn't stop him. He saw the master's exploitative behavior and rather than emulate it, he took a stand against his master, the Roman system, and everyone who contributed to that system. If he invested in the status quo he perpetuated injustice and further oppression. And even though the third slave knew he would have to endure harsh punishment, he was courageous enough to speak up for the sake of truth and justice. Who else do we know who stood up against Roman authorities and people who obtained wealth and power at the expense of others? Who stood up against those who abused and oppressed people who had no power? Who sought out people like the third slave? People who were marginalized by society, who were shunned, by their families, who was rejected by Jewish leaders and Roman authorities because he disrupted the status quo, who was unwilling to participate in the exploitative system and behaviors of the day. If you haven't figured it out, I will tell you, it is the one who was crucified within the same corrupt religious, political, and economic system that existed in the slave's life as a testimony of what God would do to show God's love for the world, Jesus. Although the third slave did not risk and invest the economic talent, he risked something greater. He risked his life for doing what was right, disrupting the status quo and exposing economic exploitation of some through the work of others. This parable is about wise living while we wait for Jesus' return. It is about investing ourselves and taking risk, not for our own sake, but for the sake of others. It is about using what God has given us to make a difference in this world. How we do that depends on where God places us and the gifts God gives each of us to use and will be as unique as the individuals that we are. We have all missed opportunities at some point in our lives to make a difference in someone's life for the glory of God. That's why we need to be reminded that as we grow more and more like Christ, We have a responsibility to act as Christ did. We cannot allow fear or overlooking or misunderstanding the plight of others keep us from doing what is right. Friends, we are all called to stand against the oppression of the poor and to disrupt the status quo in the sin of racism, to address the lack of accessible and affordable health care, to speak and act against educational and wage inequalities that are present in our community, our country, and in the world. We are called to no longer ignore people who are marginalized and begin to act, on their behalf. Together, we are called to work to positively influence public attitude, policies and laws, believing that we can help create a society that is equitable for all people if we fail to act. Injustice and oppression persist. This will not always be easy. Sometimes it will require us to take risk and to be uncomfortable. But when we do, we are faithful. Our very foundation as Lutherans was built on Martin Luther's willingness to disrupt the status quo by challenging not only the church's practice and the Pope's authority, but ultimately humanity's relationship with God. We are saved by grace through faith. There is nothing we can do to be saved, but there are things we can do because we are saved. God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbors do. It was true in Martin Luther's time, and it remains true today. So, as you think about this parable, listen for the deeper truths and allow them to inspire you to action so that through the Holy Spirit working in our lives and in this church, we can truly love our neighbors as ourselves with all that we have, with all that we do, and with all that we are. Amen.